Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the study of the early Christian movement and its implications for the church today. Today, we're with Michael, our resident ephesiologist, Andrew Johnson, associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. I'm Matt Till in the suburban sprawl of Chicago, Illinois. And today we have a special guest, a one Michaela Cooper. <laughs> Michaela, hi. And any relation to perhaps Michael at all? None at all. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I'm his daughter. I've survived so far. So far. 25 years in and we're still yeah. going. 25 just about. And you're you're comfortable sitting next to each other for this podcast, huh? No oh, silence. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I ever say they're like, I guess we have to be. <laughs> we love yeah, it. We love it. Fun. Yeah, Michaela, we're glad that you joined us today. And there is a particular reason uh, why you're joining us. It's because the topic that we we plan to address, and we're talking about um, this idea of just really wanting to support and come around parents in this uh, light of really the pandemic, and just also too like, how do we? You know, as parents, uh, about discipling our children um, is really becoming an important topic. Churches are wrestling with how are we going to continue to reach the youth of tomorrow and today, right? And um, and there's all sorts of other kind of things that we're dealing with uh, within the culture of the church that are happening. And uh, we kind of wanted to get a, a little perspective today uh, rather than just having kind of three old guys talk about <laughs> what does it look like to disciple kids? Okay, okay, hold on. I mean, I know I'm getting older and Michaela, just don't, don't you dare call me an old guy. As long as we're doing this podcast, if I can just <laughs> operate under the guise of not being an old guy, I would appreciate it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I appreciate you guys. And uh, I, I love the way it's, I've been watching you guys parent your kids and, uh, and it just brings back such great memories of <laughs> us parenting our children when they were younger. But now uh, we have really an awesome, I mean, I don't, I'm not exaggerating, just an awesome uh, experience and uh, uh, rewarding experience of having adult children uh, today and still being a part of their lives. And, <laughs> and uh, now I have the privilege of having uh, one of the three most important children in the world okay. sitting next to me. Your favorite daughter. My favorite daughter. <laughs> well, that was going to be my question is, you know, we got to talk favorites here. Never mind. We won't go there. It's this is being recorded. And the benefit of having two sons is you get to always say that I'm the favorite daughter. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, true, true, true to that. Right. True, true. Well, so, uh, Michael, let's get into this a little bit. Uh, why don't you set us up here, and uh, maybe we can then peg Michaela with all sorts of questions and ask her all the dirty secrets about uh, you and your family. <laughs> yeah, well, it, how, how do I set us up for this? Um, it, I mean, you did such a nice job, Matt, in talking about the situation today in our country and, uh, and in many parts of the world. Uh, one of the concerns that we had and and we continue to have is uh, for parents 
You know, so often youth ministry is thought of in terms of a program at a church that we send our kids to and we let discipleship happen there. And that's a good thing. Uh, but so frequently, uh, parents kind of wash their hands then of the discipleship responsibility. Uh, not willingly, I, I don't think. I, I don't think it's intentional. I think parents today are under an incredible amount of pressure uh, to, with their jobs and with, with providing for their families and other stress that we experience in our society today. And so we realize that, but uh, at the same time, it, you know, we think of Ephesians 6, uh, that great admonition of the Apostle Paul that we really have a responsibility to train our children, to disciple them and, and mentor them so that they grow up in the faith. And so we want to spend, uh, and we are spending the next several weeks talking about what that looks like. And, uh, and I, I don't want by any means to suggest that we perfected it because there are many places where we failed, uh, that we have failed, not, not our children. Uh, but as parents, we, we failed. But uh, I am so grateful that uh, God has blessed us with three wonderful children, and um, I'm looking forward to this opportunity to hear from Michaela about some of her experiences and, and what we can learn from a child who was raised in a Christian home and uh, actually turned out okay. I, I, I think she turned out okay. I think so. You think so? Maybe. Right. We, we should ask her that question. Michaela, do you think you turned out okay? <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> this is the part where I was expecting Andrew to have like some like huge question that he was going to jump in with and ask, but uh, it well, didn't happen. So I'm like, wow, so I was awkward actually, pause now. Well, it was a super great awkward pause because what happened was I scrolled over because now Michael is hosting this Zoom spot, whereas normally I do. So I couldn't text both of you. So I was trying to get over and quietly text you a thought. And then it got quiet and I thought all of my audio dropped out. And so I came oh. back really scared. And then every, I have three sets of eyes staring at me, like waiting expectantly. So here is, here is my, my tack. I was thinking, okay, Hey, what if we did this? Michaela, what if we asked you, what are three just really, I don't want to say awesome things, but three favorite things about your experience um, as a child of the Cooper household. And then after we glean from you and we laugh at Michael a little bit and have a guffaw or two, um, then maybe actually ask a little bit more detailed to drill in and say, what are maybe three things that stand out for you about how your parents, again, not just Michael, but how your parents intentionally raised you towards Jesus uh, and towards what God has called you to as a child of the king. So kind of two mm -hmm. tacks, and I want to set that up in front just so that your first set of answers don't step on your second set of answers. So <laughs> maybe what are three things about the Cooper life that are just some of your favorites looking back? Yeah. Well, right off the bat, the first thing that pops into my head is um, we spent a lot of time reading books together. Um, particularly the Chronicles of Narnia. I remember being real little and we would read a chapter or two each night and just kind of talk about that as a family. So that that family time, really spending it together to talk about 
you know, topics to talk about the Bible um, and pick it apart together really, really sticks out and was kind of fun. It's a good way to introduce theology to small children. <laughs> okay, so so I need to know, was it your dad who read it or your mom? It was you. I think you and read did, it out loud. Yeah. Did yeah. he do the voices? Did no. he in- no. No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Michael, I you robbed do you them. remember? You robbed no. them. I'm, I'm sure I do. I have no uh, vocal creativity. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. I might be Sorry. creative in other ways, but vocally I'm, I'm say, not. We can't stop you from writing books now, but when it comes to reading books, you're just vanilla. That's it. I put people to sleep. That's true. <laughs> it is true. And I don't even have to be reading the book. I mean, they could be reading the book that I write and I still put him to sleep. A man of many talents, a man of many talents. Okay. So Michaela, so, so reading the, the parental, the experience of reading and uh, just getting some of those theological things uh, at least broached through the reading. Mm-hmm. That was one. What was another favorite? Um, definitely mission trips. Um, we spent, I don't know how much time in elementary school traveling. Um, we would, I mean, it kind of seemed growing up that everything turned into a mission trip at some point. Um, we would take a family road trip to go somewhere and have to stop at a local Mormon church and check that out <laughs> and learn about that. Um, but we also did more specific trips, um, specifically in middle school. We all got to take a trip um, and kind of hang out and see what it's like to be out on the mission field um, and kind of get to experience other cultures too and see how um, Christianity is not just here. It's not just in the church. It's not just in your family, um, but it's global and it has those global applications mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So what, one of the things that I did with our kids and I'm so glad that I did. I will never regret this. And I, the only thing I regret is not doing it more often. But I, I took each of the kids on an international trip, just just them and me. So Michaela and I went to or- Uruguay uh, several years ago, and just we had it. It was fun, wasn't it? it? Was we, we had a we had a great a time. Of, and of course, we studied the Bible while we did it. So mine was Second uh, Timothy, I think. Second Timothy. Yeah. Yep. Um, I did the same with Zachary. We went to, uh, where did we go? Oh, we went to Uruguay originally. Yeah, we and also went to Columbia. We went to Colombia. And then uh, with Christopher to Romania, uh, just he and I. And, uh, you know, they were just wonderful trips of us bonding together, uh, you know, being on mission together as a, as a father and a daughter or, or son. And uh, just a very special time to share that, that together, but to share the vision for what God is doing around the world. Was this also, were you able to do this as part of like, were you being homeschooled at the time as well, Michaela? Yeah. yeah. So we, um, we went to public school for elementary and high school, um, but middle school, we were pulled out for those two years um, and homeschooled by my mom um, and then got to go on trips occasionally um 
and just really dive into the Bible and learn more about theology. And um, we had a really awesome curriculum that kind of combined Christianity with um, science and history. So you got to see how everything worked together. Um, and it made it a lot more tangible. I got to imagine just having that homeschool, um, you know, of experience obviously provides and allows more space for these kinds of things Mm -hmm. to take place. Uh, You know, the average parent is you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I could do that during the school year, you know, or when can we get out on that mission field and do something like that? Obviously, there's times for that um, spring breaks, the summer, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. I'm sure parents can get creative about Um, you know, but obviously your, your experience allowed that, uh, your dad to, uh, you know, Michael, were you working a lot on the mission field at this time too? Um, was it also kind of just in concert with your work at the time? Yeah, it was in concert with our work. We were doing, uh, what's called business as mission. Uh, we we're part of starting businesses in different countries and, and uh, use those as opportunities to travel with the kids and and so on. You know, and, and that is, I mean, it really was a privilege for us. Uh, and we were able to do that. But, you know, we were able to do that because we committed to it. Um, we decided, Lori and I decided early on that we wanted uh, her to stay home as much as possible with the kids so that they would always have, you know, that parent uh, in the home when they came home from school and and, uh, and, you know, that there would always be somebody around and, um, yeah, so, so, you know, we, we made a commitment and that created sacrifice for us. I mean, we, uh, we weren't a two wage earning family. And so that put some constraints on us of, in terms of what we could do financially. But, um, it, I mean, I think we did the things that we needed to do and, and uh, the Lord blessed those, and and uh, we, we're very very grateful for that. You know, it's I- interesting um, that Michaela mentioned that she was in public school, and all three all three of our kids uh, went to public school through elementary school. Mm-hmm. And we made the deliberate decision in uh, for their middle school years just because of the climate in middle school, and we know that those two years in in middle school are so formative that what happens to the child's brain in those two years, uh, both on an intellectual level, but also on a social level, it can determine really the, the direction of a child's life. And so we, we were committed to using those two years to build into them uh, spiritually, uh, emotionally, and intellectually. And uh, we're so grateful that we're able to do that. And then we were done with them and we sent them back to high school. Threw us back in. Threw the, back threw to the walls, they might say. No, I'm just kidding. So, Michaela, do you do you feel like um, that that was a beneficial time? I mean, your your dad speaks very highly of that. It's oh. How intentional it was. Do you feel like you're able to kind of echo that and say, oh, my gosh, that was uh, that was very important for us in that in that season of time in our yeah. life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's something that I've, I've said before that I, I would like to do with my kids too, um, way in the future. Uh, yeah, I just, I think that was, that was a really good decision. Um, I gained a lot out of it. Um, you build a lot of resiliency, um, in your own faith. 
when you take that time, um, for us, we had two years to just build up our faith and kind of make it our own. So it became more of our, our identity and more of our core, um, than something that, you know, our parents do or our parents believe. Um, yeah, so definitely having that, that time to really grow and learn and discover, um, what Christianity is and who God is and, um, how that works in our life before we were chucked back to public school. Do you feel like, um, you know, that the, the, that experience then just maybe helped equip you or empower you then for just kind of the like, current life right now? Um, you know, even going into, into maybe a public school environment, I, I know we could, we could have that conversation, which we won't today, but just about, you know, people, I think fall in all sorts of spectrums, depending upon how they feel about the public school system, um, and their involvement with it. For some people it's for them, for others, it's not. Um, but, but even just kind of thinking about those formative years, um, what could you tangibly even just point to and say, this, I think shaped me and prepared me for the years to come? Yeah, that's, that's a heavy question. Um, so I would have to say just having that consistency, you know, consistently being in the Bible every single day was part of our school curriculum for those two years. Um, and you build up a resiliency, you build up the, um, the ability to be able to, once you're in those public school settings, to really defend your faith and know why you believe what you believe. Um, so it, it becomes more than just saying like, oh, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I do youth group, and it becomes more of your identity. Um, so when you're in those public settings and someone comes against you with a question or um, a judgment, you have so much behind you, um, so much experience, um, just that ability to draw on those those years of being in the Bible um, and seeing it lived out to to kind of defend your own faith to these people. And that happened, didn't it, in high school? And oh, high school was rough. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, yeah, high school was very interesting. We we went to a pretty difficult high school. Um, lots of things happening. Um, lots of people who weren't too kind to Christians. Um, and you did run into those situations where um, I've had friends challenge me on my faith. Um, and I mean, there, I'll be completely honest, there was some doubt every now and then where someone would raise a good point. And um, you would have that moment of doubt and have that like, well, do I believe, do I believe what they're saying is true about my faith? But because we had those two years, because we've had, you know, a good foundation, when we had that doubt, even if we fell back a bit, we'd hit that foundation and spring back. Um, so we, we had such a solid foundation that we were able to kind of draw on that to push us forward and push us past those, those doubts. You know, I've got to think about, um, you know, I, there's probably some parents maybe listening in and, and some are probably like, yeah, I feel equipped. I could maybe do this if maybe they're considering, 
what does that look like in my life or, or my children's lives? Um, am I able to do something similar um, like what your parents did with you, Michaela? Maybe they're thinking about some sort of alternative ways of, of trying to incorporate some of this, the same idea, but I don't imagine it's got to be a bit overwhelming for some people just to even begin. And, and I think probably a number of people are thinking, uh, isn't that the purpose of the church? Isn't that why I go to church? Isn't that why you do Sunday school and youth group? Isn't that the purpose of, for the church to provide this, uh, dare I call it a, a service, uh, you know, or a mm -hmm. program, right? A goods and services kind of exchange as this is why I send my kids to youth group. Um, I expect them to help and and to partner with me as a parent in in doing this. But what would you say to that parent, uh, Michaela, um, yeah. who's maybe kind of thinking is a little torn, going, I don't know if I got the time for this. I don't have the resources. I don't know if I have the knowledge, the wisdom for it. Um, I've I've relied on the church, and I and I feel like that's where it kind of belongs. Um, but what would you say to that parent uh, as a way of encouragement, uh, perhaps? Yeah, that's that's something I've actually been thinking a lot about, um, especially with the pandemic and with kids being at home more often. Um, but I think it's almost we almost have too much of a reliance on youth group and Sunday school. Um, that's almost. Just my, almost. Okay, I have some agreement. <laughs> what was the what was the place for you growing up or um and maybe even looking back let's let's not just just you today looking back mm -hmm. going at what level or value what were those ministries the, the children's ministry youth ministry uh, there you know the youth pastors and the and the children's ministry pastors are listening in right now yeah. <laughs> as well so i don't want to put the pressure on you uh <laughs> but i'm just saying like you know at what level do you feel like because you're getting this other experience at home mm -hmm. where where was this couched in your discipleship how 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 did you see it maybe you wouldn't know it in the present but you know looking yeah. back how do you feel like where, what place did it serve mm -hmm. well looking back I think it um since I was in the public school system it definitely provided those Christian friends um, Christian people to grow alongside and kind of figure things out. Um, but also in, in my case, I had two people who were great at answering questions, uh, when I got home. So being able to go on Sunday, that was Zachary um, and Christopher, right? Yeah. My brothers. Yeah. My little brothers, <laughs> of course, they're great at answering questions. Um, but just being able to have a space where where you're taught, you're given information, you're spending really our Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, I spent pretty much at church the whole time. Um, a majority of my weekend was spent at church for the weekend. Um, and just having that, that really focused time to really study the Bible and learn something, but then being able to take home questions and um, have a conversation throughout the week. So it wasn't just this one time on Sunday, we studied the Bible on Sunday, we get taught, um, but it was a consistency throughout the week. So there really wasn't a moment where um, we weren't talking about the Bible. We weren't engaging with, with our beliefs. We weren't, um, you know, living out Christianity. Mm. So I think even if, um, even if you don't have, the time necessarily to, you know, homeschool your, your middle schoolers for two years. 
um, just building that consistency. And um, even if it's a dinner table conversation, we've had so many, so many good dinner table conversations that have extended past dinner um, and into the family room just to, to talk about topics, to talk about the Bible, um, to have arguments about different things going on um, and really just dive into that consistently every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, so one, of the, I, one of the things that Lori and I really valued is this idea that every moment is a discipleship moment. So wherever we were, every it, 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 wherever we were, we took those opportunities. I mean, if it were driving to and from mm-hmm. school or to the grocery store or w- wherever, um, if it's walking in a park or doing whatever it was that we did, it, we always looked at those as being discipleship opportunities mm-hmm. and opportunities that we would never have again. And so we we valued that, those moments together um, and uh, we're very deliberate about I- injecting uh, you know, thoughts about the Bible and, and so mm-hmm. on. It seems if I could uh, say it in a different way, kind of com- combining a lot of the things I'm hearing from Michaela and from you, Michael, again, it's not, it's not throwing shade at youth ministries and children's ministries, but if we allow youth ministries and children's ministries uh, to be kind of it, we are allowing an event-based discipleship. Mm-hmm. That we disciple when we show up to the meeting, that we disciple when we are sitting in and taking in the lesson. But once that lesson is over, uh, now we have done discipleship and now we can move on to something else. As right. opposed to what Michaela is talking about is a consistency, it is a life of discipleship. It is mm-hmm. a, a, a saturation, a gospel saturation through every single part of our lives so that there is now not a sacred moment and a secular moment but it's all mm-hmm. sacred and it is all to his glory. Um, yeah. And you all modeled that. It, it sounds like, or at least, mm-hmm. at least she thinks you modeled that. So that's really what's the big. They're really good at duping us into <laughs> thinking that. <laughs> no, I, I will think, say, I think that's a, that's a good point. Um, one of the things, one of the phrases that I use um, in something that I wrote was the idea of making the kingdom tangible. So not just this one-time thing that happens on Sunday um, that you participate in, but making it so much of your identity that you can almost like grasp the ideas. You can feel um, what it truly means to be a Christian. And it's not, it's not just this one-time thing that you do on Sunday. It's not just a belief that you hold um, but it really identifies who you are and it becomes so much a part of your life that you just, you can't not be that way. And for those who are looking for more book recommendations, you can check out Tangible Kingdom by Hugh Halter. Tangible Kingdom by Hugh Halter. Okay, so Michaela, we have hit a ton of things. Uh, are, are there any uh, stragglers in the highlight ma- material for life in the Cooper household? See, we did occasionally do Bible studies where we picked a book. Um, the most recent one I can remember was Hosea. Um, just obscure books that 
really might not be studied anywhere else um, and just usually laid out on the floor and read them together, read them throughout the week. Um, that was more high school. Um, and Yes, that was my question. Thank you for saying that. At what point did you guys start this Bible read aloud, let's break it down and go into the original language and what does it really mean? Because I think that that's what you did. Oh, Michael, right? so, so that was actually middle school. Um, I actually got the opportunity. I think it was, it was middle school, right? My seventh grade year, um, you were still teaching and I got the opportunity to attend Greek class. Well, now I, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Please go on. No, this is good. No, that was a missions class. That was were, it a mission yeah, class? Well, all I remember is he was teaching Greek. Um, and I was sitting there trying to do my homeschool work. Um, um, but I Take mean, your kid to work day. It's great. Yeah. You know, um, I don't really remember a starting point when we really started diving in. It's just kind of been, I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of our family. We just, you know, we have a question about a verse and we pull out the Greek Bible. Like that's, that's just normal really. Um, there's always been that, that deep value for really understanding context and understanding um, where the words came from and why, why it's included in the Bible. How does it tie in to the rest of the Bible and what does it mean? That's, yeah, it's just our family. That is huge. Okay. I, I don't know if we have got time to hit all the grand mission questions, but Michaela is, I, again, I made the Greek joke and then you proceeded to say that you took Greek, um, for a lot of people listening and Matt and I might be included here, uh, where we feel already, um, condemned is the wrong word, uh, behind the eight ball, not doing as much as we might want to as parents, slightly shamed. Thank you, Michael Cooper. Um, I, I am wondering what is a good starting place? Like a, if somebody is listening and they are at, I am not discipling my kids like I want. Mm -hmm. What's the recommendation? How do you start? So you're not going zero to 60. How can you ease into that? What do you think, Michaela? What do you think, Michael? Mm -hmm. Well, I think you have to open up the Greek, the Greek <laughs> Bible. <laughs> Just dive right in. Um, no, I think a great starting point is asking your kid, even if, um, even if it's just a simple, like in passing, just, Hey, what did you learn on Sunday? Or, um, what did, what story did you talk about in Sunday school? Um, or even as simple as just opening your Bible up to one of the traditional stories, um, that we hear and just reading it through and then asking them what they think. Um, I think that's, that's a good, a good starting point to kind of open those, that space up for questions um, and start start a habit of making sure that your kids know that this isn't just something on Sunday, um, but it's something that I can ask mom or dad in the car on the way to school, like, hey, on Sunday, I remembered we talked about this. What do you think? Um, and just having that open dialogue, which we did a lot. We got too quiet in the car. There was a question coming. 
<laughs> so what do you think about <laughs> yeah. Yeah. dot 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 yeah, michael go ahead the to mind related to this i think one is um i, I mean we made it a point and and i and i guess i did especially to talk about what i was learning uh in the bible and what i was studying and so that would often be and still is uh a topic around the dinner table uh i i get ridiculed sometimes now because of it because i get stuck on these topics and i just beat them to death but um but being willing to talk about the things that you're learning uh, mm -hmm. from the bible i think kids enjoy that they need to see it um and we, we talked about discipleship before that it's really is uh uh, something that's taught more than it is taught. And so kids seeing you live out your life and hearing you talk about God's word and the things that you're learning, I, I think are important because they then begin to mm -hmm. see that, you know, this isn't just something that's an add-on uh, to our, our lives, but it really is incorporated into our lives. Yeah, it creates okay, some normalcy, some normalcy too. Um, so it becomes more, more than just, um, you know, this is what I'm doing as a kid. This is what I'm doing and what I'm learning. Um, it becomes like, this is what we are doing, what we are learning. And then it goes further into this is who we are. Um, yeah. More about really well identity put. builder. Yeah. Well, and so I love. Michael, you you stole words from my head. I know we've said this a lot on the podcast that so much is caught. It's not always taught. Um, and so almost in a funny way to reword what you guys had just said, uh, the very first step to discipling your kids is make sure you are being discipled. Like make sure you are growing. Make sure you are in the word. Make sure you um, are also not having an event-based event discipleship. Um, that it is something that you are intending to do. And if you want to see that in your kids, you got to see it in yourself. Yeah, that's a, that, I think that's a great word, Andrew. We've, we have really taken on that same um, philosophy and approach, even in our own family, that notion of uh, this, this idea of our, our faith and our kids' faith will be caught more than just taught and so rather than trying to set up more lectures and trying to do more event-based kind of discipleship, it's really been just, this is what we do. This is who we are. We, we read the Bible. They, you know, our kids see mom and dad reading the Bible. We have these conversations, you know, we talk and then we invite them into that process as well. Um, with the pandemic, we've been doing a lot more family worship time together. And um, that's been really special for us to be part of the formation, uh, the spiritual formation of our children and uh, allowing them to ask questions and even just to hear their questions are just so insightful at times. It's like, wow, like, where did you come up with that? But sometimes just the, the childlike questions bring about the childlike wonder and we just kind of sometimes forget. Um, Michaela, just kind of as we wrap up here, I, I would love for you to kind of cast a vision for us. And you are technically, uh, forgive me, I think you're probably on the, the later spectrum of a millennial still, right? Are you still considered a millennial? You're not a Gen oh. Z, right? Nope. I'm a millennial. Yep. Okay. So you're on the later end of the millennial spectrum mm -hmm. here, which I think this is perfect. I think this is really good. Um, but what I want to hear is just kind of cast a vision for us as to what's at stake 
um, as you are, you know, growing up as a, as a young woman in this world, um, you are, you, you've experienced, uh, you know, a childhood that you reflect on and speak very well of and very positively of, but you've also have plenty of other friends and uh, people that you grew up with of all different walks of life who have followed in similar footsteps, probably, and others who have not. And, and you see what your, your people, you know, your group of uh, your comrades, right? Uh, your age group is wrestling with and dealing with today. Uh, what's at stake and, and why should we as parents and, and even ministers of the gospel really kind of put an emphasis in this mm-hmm. area of discipling our children and perhaps even thinking and taking that more into our own hands? Well, I think you could probably do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> I'm sure we will. I'll try to sum it up. Um, yeah, I mean, as so I'm in my 20s um, and, you know, in college, out of college, um, it's a very formative time of your life. Just trying to figure out um, this thing called responsibility um, and learning how to do the things that were taught in your family, how to do them on on your own. Um, so that that foundation is going to really play into that. Um, and unfortunately, I've seen many friends. Um, I know of many, many people my age who fall out of the faith um, because they don't have that foundation, because things that happen in the news, in the world, um, especially social justice is huge for my aid group. So things happening with social justice um, all these current events going on really shape faith. And if you don't have that foundation, if you don't have a family to fall back on, um, if you if you just have not had the chance to make your faith more than just a thing on Sunday and make it identity, it is it's very easy um, to see everything going on and start doubting what you believe. Um, especially with uh, how Christianity can be portrayed in media um, and among people who are not Christian um, or even people who claim to be. It's, yeah, if you don't have that foundation, if you don't build that foundation so that kids grow up knowing what Christianity is, knowing what it's like to have that identity, um, not just that belief, but that identity, that core being, that normal, like every day, this is who we are. Um, it's very easy to get shaken enough to fall. So what you're saying is when we have you back on for a part two, <laughs> that we are going to cover not just millennials, but uh, specifically how we go about discipling identity and the difference mm-hmm. between identity and, and indoctrination. Mm-hmm. because some might see that as two sides of the same coin and other people are going to say those are two entirely separate issues yeah. altogether. But, you know, let's save that for part two. Part two it is. I love it. Michaela, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me and grilling our, me. Yes, our pleasure. Our pleasure. It really was fun. Thank you. <laughs> Well, and to our audience, thanks for doing Theology in Community with us on the Ephesiology Podcast. We're glad that you are part of the growing Ephesiology Global Community. You can learn more about Ephesiology and get access to free uh, missional resources for you, your church, your leadership teams, all found at Ephesiology.com. 
Also for Michaela, Michael, Andrew, and myself, we'll talk again soon right here on the Physiology Podcast.